Welcome to the Thyroid Fixer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy, and we're diving deep into the world of hormones, especially for all you fierce women in perimenopause and menopause and anyone dealing with hypothyroidism. If you're struggling with weight gain, you feel like shedding those pounds is an impossible feat. If you're dealing with plummeting energy levels, gut-wrenching fatigue, or a libido that seems to have left town, then you're in the right place. And don't even get me started on the hair loss. If these symptoms are sounding all too familiar, you found your tribe. Welcome, because my goal is to educate, empower, and shake up your world. I want you to embrace every inch of that badass woman that you truly are. So if you're ready to dive in and fix things, let's get started. Have you ever heard of the baobab fruit? It's really interesting. And it is such an affordable way to increase your antioxidants because this thing is a multi-talented, multivitamin, multi-mineral, one-of-a-kind supplement in powder form that you throw into your shakes. Oh my God, it just pretty much becomes a no-brainer. So this particular Baobab Boost from Trim Healthy Mama, my two favorite ladies on the planet, they introduced me to this amazing antioxidant and I fell in love. I put it in all the time. Every single shake that I have, I put the Baobab powder in. It's citrus and sherbet tasting dried flesh, has five times the fiber of oats, and a higher antioxidant level than any food on the planet. That's eight times that of the superberry acai and more than blueberries and pomegranates combined. So quit eating all the sugar and just use organic baobab fruit pulp. It's that easy. Because Trim Healthy Mama, they put that into a nice powder. Like I said, I just scoop it right out, throw it into my shake. Oh my gosh, it reduces inflammation and helps with weight loss. And the other really interesting thing about it is it's kind of working as an appetite suppressant. Now, I know it's not touted for that, but when you put it in your shake, especially first thing in the morning, throw that into a nice protein shake, you'll notice that your appetite is definitely curbed. So now I'm thinking of this perfect stack to replace or or supplement those GLPs out there on the market. What if we did Baobab and Metabolism Fixer together? That would be crazy at controlling your appetite. And with the Baobab, you're getting all those antioxidants. It's, it's amazing. And this powder is so affordable. It is so affordable. So you're going to go to store.trimhealthymama.com And look up Baobab, it's B-A-O-B-A-B, Baobab Boost Powder. Uh, These ladies have just gone all out with their entire line, but this is one of my favorites because I started using it. And I have to say that I noticed the appetite suppression difference. And then when I dove down the rabbit hole of what else is in it, the antioxidant content, the multi-mineral content, it just becomes a no-brainer. So store.trimhealthymama.com. Look for Baobab powder. Enjoy. Are you sick of hearing me talk about Young Goose yet? Well, that's too bad because I love them. And I have been using them now for years, probably about two or three years. And I can honestly say that my skin looks great. So I go to my plastic surgeon's office to get a little bit of Botox, right? And he says, what are you doing for your skin? Because your skin looks great and I'm 50. It's going to be Young Goose. You know, I've never had the ability to do those ablative lasers that are supposed to refresh and renew your skin. I just can't do it. I break out. So I love a good product line that is actually going to do something with my skin and help me not age. So whether we're talking about eye cream, finding that perfect eye cream, whether you're finding that perfect collagen boosting cream that smooths out wrinkles, Young Goose has it all. I use pretty much everything in their line, but my favorites are going to be the Care Moisturizer. This has NAD and NAD boosting powers to it. 
which obviously helps your skin. We love NAD for anti-aging. I use the hyperbaric mask at night. I put that on. Oh my gosh, it just renews and replenishes and hydrates my skin. I use the ProCare Serum. This is an anti-aging serum. It's senolytic, meaning it's going to seek out and destroy the bad cells and promote new cell growth. I use the adaptogenic cleanser. I use the amplifying essence, which really kind of boosts up your skincare. Overall, Bio-C peptide spray as a toner. Their entire line is fantastic. If you even start with two to three products, you will notice a difference in your skin. So you're going to go to younggoose.com and you're going to use the code Dr. Amy. This is going to save you 5% off. Now, is it a ginormous savings? No, but their line is so precise and so grounded in science. This is what they can offer. And, you know, I love the owners too. I think buying from, from a family owned company is so important. And if you met the owners, you would fall in love and want to use their products every single day because you know that their heart and soul is literally behind this line. So younggoose.com, use the code Dr. Amy. You will notice a difference in your skin. We all want to age in reverse. Like I always say, like Benjamin Button. Now, technology isn't quite there yet. I think we'll get there. But for now, we have some pretty strong biohacks that we can use to actually hack our age. So my guest today is going to talk about that. Zora, she's a gerontologist. She's on a mission to disrupt menopause stigma and all these ageist stereotypes that we have. She's the host of Hack My Age podcast, which focuses on biohacking for women going through the menopause transition. So that's what we're going to talk about today for all my menopausal ladies out there. I got you. I got Zora's got you and I got you. She founded the website hackmyage.com. She's the author of the Longevity Master Plan and Cookbook, Eating for Longevity as well as the creator of online programs for women in perimenopause and menopause. She's just fantastic. And we, oh, we went on so many different tangents on this podcast, big pharma, making choices, her experience traveling the world and how all other women across the world look at menopause. It's crazy interesting. Enjoy this podcast with my beautiful guest, Zora. Zora, you're a traveling maniac. I mean, right now it's 8 a.m. my time. I don't know where you are in the world. Thailand, I think. Uh, Taiwan. I don't know. Where are you now? <laughs> I'm in Thailand and it's 8 p.m. It's like bedtime here. It's actually really dark. It's dark, like 6.30. It's really, oh, and yeah. I'm not used to that. I'm usually in a in a more bright area, usually Spain or somewhere where it gets dark much later. Well, it's hard to nail down this woman because she's in a different country every single week. But finally, we are coming together because, I mean, I've, Zora, I've listened to your podcast. I was on your podcast. I've listened to it. And you provide, I mean, I, I love how you have this different spin on, I guess you call it a different spin, on aging and, and what we can do and the biohacking and the advocacy for older adults. I mean, and we're not talking... Just when we say older adults, I don't want everybody thinking they're grandparents. I mean, maybe you are a grandparent, but I'm talking women in their 50s need advocated yeah. for because as we were discussing kind of off air, whether you go to seminars, you look at studies, they're all male centered. So we need someone like you that's diving into the science, that's looking at what we can do as women as we age both to feel better and to prevent the diseases of aging that come as we start to lose hormones and enter our midlife and latter years. But this is what's needed in this community. And you're providing such amazing education and tips and help for, for all of us. I'm just super excited to have you on the show today to provide for my audience too. Oh, thank you so much. It is a real honor to be here. And I'm super excited because it was great to have you on, on our show. And and I got such great feedback. People absolutely love you. They loved your energy and they love the fact that they learned about T2. They had no idea. <laughs> trying to spread the word. It's so powerful. I am trying to spread the word. <laughs> yeah. And that one, that that's one of my top rating podcasts already. Like, like that went, went flew to the charts and we had a really good name for it. I think it was 
it was, I don't remember how we named it. It was something like the secret hormone that nobody knows about, something like that. But it was oh, just yeah. and really people are like, what is it? What is it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's true. It is a secret that nobody knows about. And uh, so, yeah, no, thank you for, for coming on as well. And it was just, I, I, I got to have you on again because we, we have so much to talk about and still yeah, I have a lot of information to give these ladies because you are definitely a wealth of knowledge, not only about thyroid, because that's what we really wanted to focus on is thyroid, but so many other issues. So thank you. Well, thank you. And so for people that are listening, they're like, what is she talking about? We're talking about the Hack My Age podcast. That is Zora's podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes. I know this is early to say links are in the show notes, but if you guys want to go and listen to my interview on her podcast, head over to Hack My Age because that's where you're going to hear what I'm talking about with Zora. She dumps so much information, has fantastic guests on, great, I mean, just span and variety, but all things biohacking this thing that we call aging. So let's start there. My audience is very much in tune with what it's like to lose their hormones. I mean, some of my ladies out there are just kind of starting into this journey. Like, I think I'm menopausal. My thyroid is definitely messed up. I got a lot of symptoms. But the rest of my ladies, they know. They're like, oh, yeah, come on. I'm starting to lose hormones. It's starting to happen. Or maybe they're in full-blown menopause. So what do you like to focus on when we talk about actually biohacking menopause? So I love to bring in my background as a gerontologist and and my love and passion for biohacking to the menopausal woman because they're they're both have their strengths and and they both need to be combined to have this sort of superpower to help these women and help you know not only older adults but I really do focus on the woman going through this menopause transition. So when I say biohacking it's not just when you know when you go and look online for menopause information it's like okay wear layers and get a fan you know um, maybe if you're lucky you happen to go to a website that says talks about hormone therapy and but there's it's it's not a whole lot of stuff that you can do that's out there. So I said, well, we know in the biohacking community of so much that we can do. Maybe we need to tweak it for a woman. Maybe we need to tweak it for a menopausal woman because we know that all these biohacks, a lot of it works great for a guy. And then when it comes to women, sometimes we need to adjust. So why not use the test, measure, and assess uh, element of biohacking, right? We love to test things and, and assess them later to see if they are working for us. As a biohacker, you know that individuality rules, bio-individuality, that means we're all different. We love our N of one experiments, right? We, we do. We know that the science may say one thing, but perhaps that, that may or may not work for you. We don't know. So I love to take those elements and, and all the gadgets that we love and all the, the foundation as well in terms of grounding and, and meditation, good nutrition and, and uh, excellent sleep hygiene and sport and exercise, all these things, we can apply it to a menopausal woman and help her through this transition with ease, with grace, without suffering, because I meet too many women who are, think that you just have to pull up your socks and get on with it and who are suffering. And honestly, you don't need to suffer anymore. It's like going to the hospital and saying, well, just operate on me. I don't need uh, any kind of painkillers or <laughs> I don't need anesthetic. Right. Right. No, we don't need to do that. So we want to bring in all the biohacks. And we also want to share with women that, yes, experiment a little bit on yourself, obviously with caution and, and, and uh, but then you don't need to suffer. So please, ladies, don't think you just have to pull up your socks and, and get on with it. We have so many great solutions. Well, it cracks me up. You're not over here to be privy to these new commercials coming out, but I've seen it multiple times now over the last few weeks of it's it's some drug and it's for the vasomotor symptoms that you may experience as you transition into menopause. So here's this drug for it. And I'm watching the commercial and of course they're they're targeting their audience just like any good marketer would do. And they're showing these women that they're a little bit heavier, you know, they're they're already gray, they're already kind of in the throes of aging. And I'm thinking, ooh, ooh, wait, I know. What if we actually changed up their lifestyle, added in some hormones, 
before they gain the extra 30 pounds, have hot flashes that make them want to jump off a cliff and their hair is all gray. If we caught that beforehand, instead of throwing on a pharmaceutical, maybe you wouldn't even have to get to that place and then have to go to your PCP to ask for a drug for your vasomotor. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me that that is the message that is given over and over and over again. It's okay to be overweight, it's okay to just throw in the towel and age because we got you. We got the pain meds for your joint pain. We got the ibuprofen. We got the prescriptions. We got the sleeping aids. We got the antidepressants. We got the hot flash meds now. Really? Like what if yeah. we just did things that you are guiding your audience to do earlier on? I wish. I, I, I'm horrified to hear that, that these commercials are going out because it's the same thing, same problem we have with ageism and older, older adults, right? We only see in the media, in social media, in TV and in news and, and movies, an older adult in a really decrepit state. And so then we have this fear, oh my God, this is going to happen to me. And that's just one selection on the menu of aging. Yes, there are people like that. But if we're constantly putting this in people's faces, we think that's the only way. And then it causes us fear. And then this age, these ageist attitudes, the same thing with menopause is if we keep seeing these, these women in this state and in this condition, we are creating this fear for women in their twenties, thirties, forties going, I don't want that. And yeah. that's scary. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't want to be with me. And, and, and eventually when they get there, they may go, oh, this is menopause. And then this, they, if some of them may unfortunately succumb to that and go, oh, well, now's the time to, like, to throw in the towel. Let's just gain some weight. And, and this is what happens and whatever. Let's just accept it. No, no. And this is, it's a very similar to ageism. Like we need to stop putting these so many, and I want to say you don't have to, there doesn't exist. Of course, they're, they're targeting an audience. Yes. And that's um, what works in the marketing. However, in media, in TV, in news, we have to show as well, the menopausal woman in her forties, fifties, sixties, and beyond looking good and feeling good and, and sharing, how is she doing this? Right. And that is, like you said, we're setting this up in our younger years and preventing getting to that space, but it's, it's not an easy task. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if we were going to do a commercial on hormones and biohacking tips, then obviously we would choose that woman that's 65 and has, you know, a rocking body and very few wrinkles. And because she has done the things that we're advertising, lifestyle, nutrition changes, some biohacking and some hormones. And then guess what? You can look like a rock star when you age. You don't have to throw in the towel. And that would be our message. But you can't do that when you're pushing just pharmaceutical band-aids because that's not yeah. the end result. You're not going to look and feel you're great. You're just going to squelch a hot flash. And, and then you listen, of course, to the, you know, and also may cause leg cramps, you know, a third <laughs> yes, eye. all the side effects. <laughs> and hot flashes. So I'm like, wait a minute. One of the side effects is the very thing that you're trying to treat with this drug. It's amazing. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I find it shocking too that it's it's so easy for doctors to prescribe and even patients to accept drugs for these kinds of things and then go, oh, hormones? No, that's bad. That causes cancer. You know, this, this total misinformation or doctors just going, no, we're not going to prescribe hormones. To me, hormones, <laughs> they're so much safer than taking a drug. Yeah. I don't understand. For me, I just don't understand how that is even happening. And I think personally, doctors may be given a quick, here's a quick fix for your symptom. You get the hot flash, here's the drug. They know how to prescribe drugs, easy. But prescribing hormones is not such an easy thing and you need to be trained and you need to spend time. And perhaps doctors are not, of course they're not trained in it, but they can go and get the training, invest the time and invest the money to do it. But right. perhaps they're not there yet. They're not quite there yet, right? And I know, I mean, this is totally going down so many different rabbit holes at this point, but- there's a there's a Netflix series out and it's one of those mini series. It's only one season long, but it's called Painkillers. And it's fascinating because it's all about the real life. Like these events happen. They use the real family that made Oxycontin and the whole marketing 
employed, the business, the drug reps, how they bribe these doctors. I mean, the whole behind the scenes of how this whole opioid epidemic started. And it's, I mean, you, you're watching it from that perspective, obviously being like, oh my gosh, these, these people basically killed millions and got them addicted and their hearts stopped and everything. But then just take that and apply it to exactly what we're talking about. All of these other drugs that that's all you have to do is write the script. Some young blonde pharmaceutical rep comes in and just says, here, just do this. Here's a coupon. That's all they have to do is write the script. But like you said, Zora, for hormones, it's extra training. It's it's extra money out of their pocket. And it's no kickback from the pharmaceutical industry because most hormones are compounded. I mean, yes, some you can get, you know, like the Vivelle Dot or whatever, you can get at Walgreens, but most are compounded and there's no kickbacks for compounded medication. So like I said, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but I found it, I mean, this was the point in time to bring it up during this conversation because I think it's it's controversial, but it's also eye-opening when you really start to look at it from a, a different perspective of what's really going to help you anti-age and what's just going to be a Band-Aid. Exactly. Exactly. And so you and I are big fans of bioidentical hormones, and that is certainly one of the biggest biohacks I could recommend for a woman who's really suffering. And, but there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more. And, and again, if you can put in some of these really good lifestyle and diet changes earlier on, it helps so much because I do say that we can take the hormones and that helps a lot, Mm -hmm. but you can't sort of out hormone your way out of a bad diet and lifestyle either. So please, you know, ladies, make sure you do the work as well. Well, let's get into that work. We just talked about hot flashes and the commercials for them, but what do you do? What's the best way to hack hot flashes? And let's just go through a couple of biohacking tips for the different symptoms that ladies deal with in menopause. So hot flashes, the number one hack is definitely hormones. I mean, that's just, okay, that you've got to go to a doctor <laughs> like that. That is hands down way more effective than say some herbals and some adaptogens, which I, I love as well. And you can experiment with those, but when it comes to the research, the research is hands down saying hormone therapy is so effective when it comes to things uh, like the, the adaptogens, like Shisandra, Rhodiola, Rosacea, the, um, there's, there's so many out there that we can try and experiment. The science is mixed right? Some women do have a great outcome, some women not at all. So I don't want to say, don't go down that route, just experiment with it and try different things. And, and so there, there are some of those, those things as well. Maca is great for energy if you're dealing with fatigue, but in terms of, of hot flashes, we also want to take a look at our diet because having excess body fat is contributing to hot flashes. And I don't want to say that all the people who are, have excessive, excessive weight, then they all have hot flashes, the skinny people, they don't No, but it is a bigger risk factor because those fat cells, they insulate as well. And they're also excreting more estrogen. And so that's also disrupting the hormonal balance. So we need to figure out how to have a good body composition. I hate using the word losing weight because it's not about weight. It's right. about you know having enough muscle, having the appropriate amounts of body fat and being happy in the skin that you're in and the body that's working for you as well. So that will be, well, ladies, probably should be lifting heavy weights. <laughs> I like your hat, the lift heavy shit. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and, and so then the other component is your diet. And there are things that some women find that are triggering their hot flashes. Typically it's alcohol, caffeine, hot foods, like, mm-hmm. uh, like hot coffee or hot soups and spicy foods as well. So you can play around with those things as well. And, and keep a, a journal, like log this stuff down, like a biohacker does just keep a little spreadsheet or have a little notebook. Uh, and, and then, the, and you'll start to see patterns when you eat certain things or, or when you do certain things. So those are, those are just some of the little hacks. Um, did I, did I mention alcohol? Alcohol can be a trigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. It's worth mentioning it a- five times because we don't think about it. We we don't think about when we drank the night before, or maybe even two nights before. 
and were hot flashing during the day, which actually I want you to explain what you mean by a hot flash because two reasons. Number one, I am turning 50 this year. I have always been on hormones. Therefore, I have never had a hot flash. Mm-hmm. Number two, I get this question a lot from my patients. And now at the same time, I mean, you have to know we're amping up their metabolism. We're fixing their thyroid. You know, their their Bonnie's mm-hmm. furnace is starting to come alive too and body temp raises. So I would like to hear from an expert how you decipher the difference between a hot flash and maybe you're just metabolism is getting better and you're just less tolerant to heat in general. Mm. So first I wish you want to differentiate uh, the, a lot of people might not even know the, the difference between a hot flash and a night sweat. Right? Yes. Good. There's, they're pretty, they're all pretty similar. It's when the body temperature rises, it's just happens at night. Okay. And there's women who have night sweats, right? You're some women just wake up in a drench. Some women just wake up and you're like, I'm a little hot, you know, what's going on. And then some women don't have the night sweats, but they have a hot flash and it feels like a furnace on the inside. I'm 53. Haven't had a hot flash yet, but I I'm also on hormones. So they may be contributing to it. And, but I do sometimes get hot. I still, I'm still cycling. So the week before my period, it's like, I'm getting a little hot, you know? So it's none of those things. And I had, and so what I'm going to do right now is pick up my progesterone because progesterone helps calm the nerves as well. Because when you wake up kind of hot, then I sometimes get a racing mind and I start going, Mm. I'm just thinking things and problem solving and all that. And that could be progesterone. So, so that's, so the, some of the differences, and that's when you talk to your doctor about, Hey, I'm having the symptoms and, and it, and a lot of women, I think may dismiss these symptoms go, Oh, that's just aging. Or that's just what happens again. No, you don't need to like deal with it. Even if it's kind of, ah, it's okay. You know, why not optimize? Why not wake up feeling amazing because you slept through the night and you didn't wake up because of a night sweat, uh, or just being even hot. Cause that's still disruptive to your sleep. So I totally forgot your question now. What was the, <laughs> well, no, no, the you're breaking it down. Flash. So yeah, the difference between, and that was good, hot flash and night sweat. And now how would you differentiate between a menopausal hot flash. And like you said, I mean, maybe I've been intolerant to heat since my twenties. I, I, I hate it when it goes over 75. I really don't want to be out in a tropical climate or visit Florida. Like that's not me. I hate the heat. So, but I don't hot flash. I mean, I've had night sweats before, but they've normally been more associated with something else. And that's where I can decipher and go, oh, that's not hormones. That's just because, well, I had surgery last week and my body's purging. I always get night sweats after surgery. Or like you said, oh my gosh, I drank and now I'm detoxing from that and I'm getting the sweats, something like that. But what's the, how do women differentiate between, hey, maybe I'm just intolerant of heat, my metabolism is increasing, or this is a hormonal hot flash. So one, it's sometimes the symptom is so intense. It's very clear. Like there's just no doubt because it's so intense and there's nothing you can figure out that triggered it. So you kind of look around and so maybe you haven't eaten anything spicy or you haven't had any alcohol. It's just came out of nowhere and that can happen. And you clearly, clearly know it. I, I, when I speak to women who have it, they're just, yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Totally disrupts. And, and then there's women who have mild, mild ones. And I think they also quite, you, you can, you can, you can start to see patterns. If it happens once or once in a while, or if you like, like you said, oh, every time I have surgery or every time I do this thing, uh, you know, again, it's probably not because of the, of menopause, but could be, could still be hormonal. It could be your thyroid, right? Or so it could be. Many different things, right? So, but when when it's when you you put things together because you go, oh, I've got I'm a certain age, uh, and that could be 
anywhere from your 40s, mid 40s to mid 50s. Okay, Uh that's sort of when the transition happens. The average age of menopause is 51. And then and menopause is such a stupid word menopause, because we I use it just generally for the perimenopause, the postmenopause, the transition. I'm kind of throwing it out everywhere like most people do. But technically, menopause is a one day event. That's the when you have 12 consecutive months without your period. Right. And then that's it. Then it's post-menopause, but we don't like to use all these terminology, right? Right. And uh, and so if 51 is the average age, then it's around 46 that you're going to be, it's five years ahead that you, it's on average that you start to be in perimenopause when you start to notice some of these hot flashes and mood swings and a bit of depression and uh, a lot of many other, all the other symptoms that sound horrifying, but you won't get all of them. Maybe you'll get none of them. Maybe you get some of them and they're mild or some of them and they're very severe. So I want to just sort of differentiate that because if you're in that age bracket and, and it can be up to 10 years, this whole transition. That's why I say really don't suffer. Don't go, I'm going to pull up my socks. It's not going to be a few months. Right. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. probably quite a while. So you want to target it as soon as you can. And so you will probably put the pieces together because you may see patterns. You may, yeah, because you may see stress can be a trigger for a hot flash and you go, God, every time I'm with that person or every time I'm, you know, in that situation, I get a hot flash. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of, you do, you do, I don't think you can mistake it. Uh, it, You eventually put the pieces together after they happen several times, but it would be interesting to experiment. I had a friend who just did this because she's, she's like you and me, we're just like, well, we're, we're going through menopause, but because we take the hormones, we're, 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 cruising through it. And she's like, I'm going to stop all this stuff. Cause oh. I don't even know if this is even working. Right. <laughs> it's because it's, it could be like doing nothing. And she stopped. And it was just a few weeks after that, she had her first hot flash. She's like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I'm going to go right back on that. Back them. on the hormones. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So you can do that, but you know, she's, she just wanted to see just like you do with maybe a supplement or something you're testing out. Sometimes when you go off of this, you realize, Oh, it actually is working for me. Right. So yeah. So it, it is, it is pretty clear. I do have this one very interesting woman I interviewed. I do reels uh, of women around the world with their menopause experiences. They're one minute reels I post on Instagram, Facebook, asking them about their menopause experience. And, and there's a lot of um, chatter going on with that. But the last, one of the recent, most recent ones I did was this woman she's English and she was 57. And she said, what was your menopause? Describe it in one word. And she said, warm. And I said, oh, why? She said, well, because I'm quite a cold person, a little bit like, like you, you said you like the cold, but she kind of put to the point where she didn't, it was a little bit too uncomfortable. She always felt too chilly Yeah. that when the hot flash came, she was like, it was so nice. It was so warm. I, I just embraced it. And I'm kind of sad they went away. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, it just depends on your attitude, I guess for her, perhaps they weren't very intense, but it was just perfect. It was just right for her. And again, uh, you'd see women around the world, how they are talking about menopause and their their own experience. And, and really it's amazing how some women just go, well, you know, it is, it's not that bad. (laughs) It's okay. Or I, I feel nothing. And then you get the haters who say that's BS that can't happen. She's lying. It's not true because I have 20 hot flushes a day and it's not possible. So they are relating their own experience and saying that's not possible. And it's just, just really sad because a lot of women who follow my reels and love this content say, I love it because finally something positive about menopause coming on my feed, right? Because the typical menopause information that you get is a woman who's not looking so great and not feeling so great. And then sometimes they're kind of funny and they're comical little, little comedy there for you to laugh and go, ha ha. But then it's still scary because those 20 and 30 year olds are looking at that going, I I'm scared. You may laugh now, but I'm not going to be laughing when it's there. So there's yeah. this negative, again, this negative uh, information that people are, are getting. And, and, and again, I don't want to dismiss the people who really are suffering because I get th- that happens a lot too. They comment and go, you're being dismissive of us. And I absolutely, it's, I'm not being at all. I, I have no, no agenda. When I interview a woman, I just say, tell me the truth. I don't care what you say, right. Good, bad, whatever. 
And uh, so, yeah, so I think it's it's actually nice to see some more positivity in, in women's experiences because it does give you hope that, hey, either I can biohack it or yep. maybe I'll be lucky and sort of get through it without any issues. And even if you don't have symptoms, I still think you need to look under the hood and still take care of your health and consider consider hormone therapy for many other reasons anyways. Right, exactly. Well, so with all of your travel, what have you seen, I guess, embrace the most? I mean, so everywhere in the world, I mean, you've been everywhere. With everyone that, with every woman that you have interviewed, are most of them doing the things they need to do lifestyle and, and nutrition wise and taking care of themselves and maybe adding in hormones or are most of them just, well, this is just what happens as you age, throw in the towel kind of attitude. I don't really know because I don't know these women personally. I just stopped them on the street. Most yeah. of them. <laughs> Which is awesome. I love that. Yeah. I, and, and, and I get, I, I'm, I'm lucky if they actually talk to me because I get a lot of women saying, no, I, I wouldn't talk to my own friend about this. Like, I'm not going to talk to a stranger. And I find that surprising too. I'm like, you really don't talk to anybody? Yeah, that's <laughs> another like, problem. No, right. Yeah, it's a big problem. And they're like, it's very personal. So I want to change that conversation as well. So I am having, if there's anybody listening, if I can ask them, I, I just literally post this on my wall is that I am doing these interviews myself to strangers, but I am asking women to have this conversation with their own mother, either interview your mom, or if you are going through this transition or just, just on the other end, have your kids interview you and they will start to learn about menopause. I mean, that's a great conversation to have with your kids if you haven't had it already yep. uh, or with your own mother and hear about her experience. It's going to bring that, that bond a little bit tighter and it's yeah. going to open the conversation about menopause and normalize it, which I'd really love to do. So I'm, I'm always asking anybody, if you want to take on this little task, listen <laughs> an excuse to talk about it, yeah. please do. And then get in touch with me and I'll, I'll get your video. I'll edit it you know, a little bit, make it a one little fairly fast one minute video and then post it and, uh, and share the experience. And it could be good. It could be bad. I don't care. I just want the truth. Yeah. Just the truth, just to kind of get a, a, a temperature, you know, a pulse yeah. on what women are actually dealing with everywhere, yeah. everywhere. But what I am saying when I, when I do interview somebody, you can, you, you don't really know what they're doing, but I notice that the older the woman is, I ask if I, this is sort of a late, lately I've been asking, are you on hormone therapy or have you yeah. ever taken it? Just now I get curious um, because if they go, oh, I haven't had any problems and like, Oh, why? You know? <laughs> so, and then my next question is whether they've had a bone scan or not, especially if they're older. Cause I'd like to know whether they've taken the hormones or not. And if that has any effect. And again, I need no agenda. I'm just curious and, and seeing would like to see what they are, but, but you do see most of the older women have not taken any therapy. They may even sometimes they wear it as a badge of honor that they've gone quote unquote, all natural. <laughs> and, uh, so I find that very interesting, but I also, yeah, it, it's, it's a generational thing too, because you can yeah. see women in their seventies and eighties then, and, and, and partly you kind of wonder as well, is it, was it really that easy? Did you just forget? or I, I don't know. I just really don't know. And you can maybe take a guess on their condition. If they look uh, healthy, that maybe they have been doing the lifestyle and diet, but we really don't know. And just because a woman is a little bit overweight, you can't go, well, no, I mean, right. she's not taking care of herself. We don't really know. But they were scared too. I mean, they were basically scared out of their hormones because that generation was kind of part of not participating in, but the, I guess the victims of the women's health initiative study, where yeah. if they were on hormones, those hormones got ripped out of their hands because the WHI scared the bejesus out of everyone and every doctor and there goes the hormones. So yeah. they were also kind of part of that generation and hormones are an investment. I mean, it's no, it's not something you're going to go to your PCP and ask, him or her to write a script for that insurance is going to cover. I mean, mm -hmm. compounded hormones are an out-of-pocket expense. They're an investment. So I think with that too, we also see that, you know, that little bit of a, 
of a shying away from taking care of yourself or investing in yourself. I know my mom wouldn't do that. You know, my mom would never, mm-hmm. I had to push her like, mom, go get a facial, you know, let's, <laughs> let's go get a massage for goodness sake. You just, those, the women of that era did not pamper themselves as much or spend money on themselves or invest in their own health because they were always giving it away to everybody else, their kids, their families, everybody, the neighbors, mm-hmm. you know, they were yeah. all forced to help. But so I think there's too that, much of a luxury. It was a luxury. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now I think we are empowering women now to say, this isn't a luxury. This is a right. This is a freaking birthright that you have to have hormones and not be on pharmaceuticals and to age like a rock star and to feel your best. Like, yeah. guess what? <laughs> you deserve this. The other thing that older women also have of that generation have a problem with is confronting a doctor, asking questions and sort of demanding what they want. They're the kind of people who say, let's not rock the boat. The doctor knows everything. Let's just do what he or she says. Yep. And that's it. And, and that's really sad because that's that that's not empowering themselves at all. So if you are a woman of this age, or if you are a woman who, um, who has a mother of this age, please be an advocate for her or be an advocate for yourself. Go to your doctor or go with your mom to your doctor and advocate for her and show her how to ask questions and to, to demand certain things that are necessary and not just take a diagnosis of, oh, everything's fine when you still feel bad uh, as acceptable. So we need to be empowered. And I really, I really want women to, to stand up a little bit more and our generation will get a little bit better with that. And, uh, but we need to still advocate for our own mothers and aunties and people from the other generation who have trouble doing that. Yeah, no, I agree. hundred percent. I agree. We just can't, yeah, no more, no, no more accepting just what your doctor who only went through four more years of school than you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> listen, well, and I mean, and, and in some people's cases, maybe one or two years more and listen, it's a, it, it's needed. We need doctors. We need surgeons. We need, we need people in the medical community Mm-hmm. saving lives and putting limbs back on and repairing hearts and 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 treating cancer and all of that but when it comes to just basic taking care of yourself longevity that's not where you're going to find your answers mm-hmm. you, know, you have to dig deeper especially nutrition especially lifestyle especially you walk into a doctor's office i mean come on you and i were talking off air my sister's a geriatric doctor I've been in her office before. All those ladies in there, they don't take the time to go for a walk. You got M&Ms and candy out everywhere. Everyone in the office can stand to lose 20 pounds. My God, like put down the pizza and the subs and eat something healthy. For God's sake, you're sitting in a chair all day long. I mean, it's healthcare is actually the worst health environment you could ever walk into. Crazy. I wanted to make one point that I think is interesting. I know in the US, uh, getting hormones, I like to call it like menopause support therapy. I don't like to say using the word. It's more, I don't know, I think accepted, maybe less scary for some women who's still off put by the word hormone, but menopause support therapy, that is in, in the US, I understand it's expensive. In the UK, for example, they literally just passed a, a law or, or accepted that it's now 19 pounds per year for a woman to get her menopause support therapy every month, but that's about $20. Okay. Less than $20, less than $20 a year for a woman to get her. That's because it's NHS. The the national health health system is is that way. Of course they, they pay different taxes than we do and they have a different healthcare system. And there's a lot of complaints about the NHS and how that's run. But when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. So I'm, I'm really excited. And I hope that other countries will, will, will take suit. And in Europe, at least in Spain, it's actually more affordable. It's not that as expensive as the U S and, uh, but we don't have as many choices as you do in the U S you have so many creams and gels and sprays and, you know, lots of different stuff. (laughs) Right. And, and, uh, we don't have the assortment, but it is more affordable. And that's amazing really, because you're looking at it from, Yes, I agree with you. I have have patients that are over there, part of the NHS system, and they do have negative things to say about it, which I don't blame them. But in this aspect, if you just look at it for what it is, it's, it's allowing people to 
utilize something to extend their life, to extend the quality of their life, and actually as a preventative. So if we give people hormones, then maybe they won't need the statin and the blood pressure medication and the sleeping pill and the erectile dysfunction pill and, you know, X, Y, Z, all of the other things that really, if you just address hormonal function, wow, you can mm-hmm. stay off all of these other things. And so it actually acts as a as a measure of prevention too. Yeah. I, today, I just was speaking to a woman, Carol, I uh, can't remember her last name, and she is a pharmacologist and, and she works with Quicksilver Scientific, mm-hmm. among yeah. many other companies. And so she was explaining to me about their, their they have hormones that they sell online and, and you have to be a doctor to get some of them. Right. And, uh, and she was telling me she has clients and there was a woman recently who came in and she was on the blood pressure medication, antidepressant and some kind of sleep medication. Yeah. And she just said, this is ridiculous. And she got her on the hormones and of course was able to get rid of everything else, which has all these other negative side effects. But here's a doctor who did not recognize this woman who's in menopause and really suffering. And it's just trying to cover up the symptoms with drugs. And, and she's just saying, this is so wrong. This is not, it's not, it's not normal. So, so it right. happens evidently uh, a little too much. Yeah, it, it definitely does. All right, Zora, before we wrap up, I still want to get to just a couple things that these ladies can do to hack their symptoms. The symptoms that are most complained about in menopause, if it's not hot flashes, which we already talked about, what are the other things that you're hearing women complain about? And then how? Do, what can they do lifestyle and nutrition-wise or anything else device-wise to hack those symptoms? So the most common ones is the hot flash because that's so clearly that's defined yeah. and different than than anything else. Like why else would you get a hot flash really? Right, but right. then there's other things like depression and anxiety. And some people may not, well, actually many women do not think about that it could be menopause. They think that they're going crazy. They think it's something else. And of course, maybe their lives are a little bit messed up at this point. And there would, even if without the menopause, you'd still be in a, in a distressed state. It's just without the hormones, it becomes all a little bit exaggerated. I always call it, I feel like it's that, you know, when you wake up at night and something's not right and you feel ill or something, or you have a bad thought, it's so exaggerated. Oh yeah. But then yeah. the sunlight comes up and you're like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> like It feels a little bit like that. And so that, and that was an interesting, I did a little poll with my Facebook group about, because I'm building these little programs of targeting each little, each, well, each symptom. And I asked them, what is the most complained about? And so the anxiety and the depression was number one. And I thought that would be maybe number three or four. And that's, everybody want to know how to hack that. The weight gain is another big complaint. Everybody thinks that, you know, you're going to turn into a the big ball and, 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 and it's just, it's, it's just inevitable and it's not, it's not, but it does happen and we can control it. And then there's the other ones are the, the brain fog as well, memory, cognitive decline, some of those. And then you may go, Oh, that's just aging. Well, no, it's not, it's not normal aging as a gerontologist. I can say it's not normal aging. Right. Okay. Is common, but it's, it's not normal. So we, and and just because you get older, doesn't mean that's all going to happen. And certainly please don't embrace it and go, Oh, okay. I guess that's going to happen. And let's just not do anything about it. No, we can do many things about it. And hormones are definitely one of those things that we can help hack that. Mm-hmm. Because we know that through through the studies, we do have enough, uh, well, we have some research, we don't have, it's not conclusive. I have to be really careful about what does the menopause society say, or what does all the doctors, you know, conclusively say. We all say, they all agree on osteoporosis in terms of hormones helping with the osteoporosis. Yeah. But there's debate on the the brain health and the, the cognitive health and the uh, heart health and all that. I still think, wow, we still got a lot of research. I think it should be conclusive, but right. for some reason, these menopause societies don't want to say, and they go, there's still a lot unknown. And, and to be fair, as it is, there isn't a whole lot of research on women, period. Yeah. Now think about a menopausal woman or an older woman. Well, forget it. Like there, yeah, there really isn't a lot of research, but so I think there's a lot of good stuff that's coming. What we have now to me looks pretty positive, but I, I want to say that 
what we know today may be different tomorrow. I mean, that just is science. That's just the way it is, right? We thought, you know, eating low fat was good and now it's, I mean, it was bad and now it's good. Yeah. Eating eggs yeah, yeah. was bad and now they're good, right? Just, you know, anything we do, there's risk, right? We even, there's, there's people go, oh, what are the risks? Well, that's, you talk to your doctor about, you talk to your doctor about the risks and benefits of your menopause support therapy. And, and I also say, you should talk to your doctor. What's the risk if I don't take it? Mm, that's a good that's one. Gonna, yeah. Is he going to answer that? Don't know, but yeah. And I, I thought that's what I asked my doctor. Cause I was like, I don't know, you know, should I, and if I don't, what's going to happen? You know? And did you get so, an answer? Did they even know how to answer that? That, well, I see functional medicine doctors and they're okay, like, yeah, so yes, you, you want to be on right. it. <laughs> my yeah. normal doctor in my, in Spain, I had a normal doctor and she's the one when I first approached her about hormones, she said, Oh, women. And I wanted testosterone. I was like, oh, I hear testosterone's good. Just get some press. She's like, oh, women don't need testosterone. <laughs> I just, I picked my jaw up off the floor and I walked out and I happened to have an interview with Dr. Elizabeth Yorth that day. And okay. you know her from the Boulder Longevity Institute. And I just ranted and she was, thank God was there to <laughs> save me, but I just was shocked. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that depends what doctor you talk to, but the ones I talk to, they're all pretty saying the same thing as I do, you know, it's probably pretty good for you to be on it right now. Right. Because case in point, yeah. if you have a doctor and we, we see this, this is not an isolated incident. I see this all the time because I, I joke about it on the podcast. I'm like, hey, women uh, actually have more than one hormone. We have more than estrogen, ladies. Guess what? We have things called progesterone, which is sometimes looked at in the medical mm -hmm. community as a hormone that women do have. And newsflash, we have testosterone. Dudes do not hold the space for testosterone. We get, we get some too. It's very yeah. important. Oh my God. I can't believe Thank, that. But that's, yeah. that, that is common. Like what you experienced in Spain is 10 X common over here. Well, hopefully it will change. And luckily the listeners of your podcast are informed and they can, I encourage them to share the podcast, your podcast, because you give so much great information to other women and, mm -hmm. uh, and especially those, those ones on menopause, cause that's the ones I, I enjoy the most, but just to go back to some of the other problems that I want to answer, I keep deviating. I don't never really that's all right. this been directly. Great. Cause no, I'm good with the deviations. This has been great. So much. Yeah. Well, there's, there's other things that women may not think about joint pain as well, mm -hmm. fatigue and thinning hair, low libido. They go, Oh, that's just aging. No, 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 no. It could be the, it could be menopause. It could be your hormones. And again, that's why you just get to your doctor and try to experiment with some of these things. But definitely, even if you're not having symptoms, like I mentioned before, look under the hood, because I want every woman, no matter how old they are listening to this, to get a bone density scan. Yeah. Because as I understand in the US at the age of 65, now you're, you're getting through Medicaid and Medicare, you're your bone density scans, and it's way too late already by then. So right. really, it's a good thing to do. And, and you may not, you may, you know, you may be able to reverse that. And there's so many ways. Okay. It's not just hormones, you know, if you're right. And again, I don't think that just because you take estrogen is going to save you from osteoporosis. No, I think you still need to lift heavy things and you still need to exercise and have a good diet and get good sleep and, <laughs> and all that. Yeah. So really, those are some of the most common ones, but the list is like, there's like a hundred symptoms mm -hmm. of menopause. So, but those are the most common ones. And so, the the things that I would say to do, first of all, I love testing for hormones, but every time I talk to a doctor, unless they're a functional medicine doctor, they're really, they, they say it's really hard. Even the Dutch test, they go, it's really, yeah. you can give a Dutch test, a dried urine test and Meridian Valley and all these other tests, and they'll come out totally different. Totally different. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, but one very interesting woman, Heather Hirsch, who I heard on another podcast, I'm getting her on and I'll, I think she's great to connect you too, because she's, she, I heard her say, listen, she's a doctor and she sees patients. And she said, imagine a woman coming into my office and she says, I want to test my hormones. And I say, no, we don't need to do that. How do you think she's going to feel? Right. So even though a doctor, she's saying to the doctors, even though you go, okay, it's kind of wonky information, you want the patient to feel good. And if she's you don't have to force her to take a test. You know, you can do treat the symptoms, right. And follow this woman through her life and you could figure things out and give her blood tests and bone density tests and all the other tests that are great out there. Yeah. But 
to make her feel heard and listened to. And, and it's still information. It's just not, you know, totally rely hundred percent on it. I love that answer. Yeah. So it's not just getting a Dutch test or drug urine test, get all the other tests, understand your body. You know, that's what a biohacker does. And I want you to biohack menopause is to get as much information as you can about your body. Mm-hmm. And then you can help work with your doctor to say, okay, because maybe it's not menopause, maybe it's not hormone, maybe it's something else, you know? And, 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 and they're all tied anyways, as you know, the thyroid, of course, that's going to affect all the other hormones too. So you really need to know your body. That's number one. And then two, okay, decide if you're going to be on, on menopause support therapy or not. And then three, regardless, if you do, or you don't, let's get things like, managing stress, right? Talking about that is do your breath work or your meditation or your yoga, go walk in a park or go walk in a forest, go for a swim in the lake, whatever makes you happy and floats your boat. I want you to do it every day and, and do something for yourself that brings you vitamin J. Do you know vitamin J? No, it's that joy. It's gotta be joy. Vitamin joy. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yes. So that one is really cool. I like that. And I, and I, so I want people to, to manage their stress. And one other thing that women kind of set aside, and I don't know why is low libido is like, oh, I'll deal with that symptom later. And I think you should take care of it. And I think you should take care of your sexual health and your sexual relationships, whether it's with a man or a woman or whatever your partner is. Yep. Because you may go, oh, I don't really need sex because you're not interested anymore, right? If you got a low yep. libido and who's interested in that, but I still think it's a really important point to focus on because if you're living with somebody or have a relationship with somebody, that person, if they're on the same level as you, maybe you're fine. And that's, you know, you can live your life as you want to live, but if you're not on the same level of, of libido, right? try to convince that person that, oh, it's okay. We don't know. We don't need to have a sexual relationship or any intimacy at all. Like, no. So that again, testosterone helps with that or getting your yep. hormones balanced with that. If you get the progesterone and get in a more calm state and feeling more relaxed rather than anxious, again, you have to work with your doctor, but I think that is so important. And I really yep. want to stress to women, don't just go, yeah, that'll, I'll deal with that later. I think that should be number one, because when you're happy and you're living with that person who, or you're spending time with that person and makes you happy and brings you joy and has great sex or have wonderful intimacy and have that purpose in life, gosh, your hormones are also going to be affected by that without even hormone therapy. So it just kind of all cascades. So I really, I really want women, whether it's to go see a sexual therapist or go get those hormones that you need or figure out journal, write whatever is on your mind. Um, yeah, those relationships. And we know, so this is my, my gerontology backgrounds. We, we, we studied, there was a very interesting study called the Harvard study of adult development. Have you heard of this one? No. Oh, it's, it started in 1938, one of the longest longitudinal studies in, in, in history okay. on aging and, and, uh, and older adults. And so they looked at these people for decades and decades up until today. And it's still, there's like a second generation going, I mean, a second part of this, this study going. And so after, I think it was in the, in like the two thousands or early, like not that long, maybe 2017 or something, they concluded after all of these decades, what is it that makes people live healthier and happier? And so they, in the beginning, of course, all they did was blood tests and questionnaires. Eventually they got MRIs and they got brain scans and they got, you know, so, so many, so much data from these people. They looked at if they smoked, if they exercised, what they were eating. And, and then they would talk to their spouses from the beginning was only men. And then eventually they got on the women and, and over and over. I mean, there was so much data and they concluded that more than exercise, more than smoking, more than diet, the things that were keeping people living longer and healthier and happier were strong relationships. strong, happy relationships. So if that's going to have a cascading effect, you know, it's, we can focus a lot on the diet and the exercise, but if you're stressed, if you're not happy, if you're, you know, having a horrible relationship, you're stuck in a bad space, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to hack with everything, with all that other stuff. So it's really a, a very important factor is, and, and I don't, you know, again, I keep going back to this, the relationships and the intimacy and, and all that, but that is, it's again, it has this cascading effect that, you know, the, the diet and the exercise, it all come into play so much easier as well. 
So yes. those are, oh my gosh, I could go. There's so many hacks to do. Um, again, I think it's, it, it depends on, you know, what symptom you want to target, but, it, but again, getting that, that good biohacking foundation with the sleep, the stress, the, the exercise and, and the purpose in life and uh, the relationships and, and grounding and all these things are, are really, really great because you can ice bathe all you want. But um, if you're sitting down the ice bath by yourself, moody and grumpy and upset, then. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect way to say it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe well, you we have a guide for us anyway. So even if we didn't touch on everything, you have a, what are you giving? What are you giving the listeners? You have a gift. Yes. I've got a gift of 21 menopause tips well, and that's going to be, they're going to give you the link so you can, people go download that yep. and uh, that'll get you started. You don't have to do all 21 of them. It's just kind of, these are some ideas. Let's get, just choose a couple of those low hanging fruits, get that implemented into your life. And then, uh, and then you move on to the next one or the next one. And then we, we have on the, on the website, we have programs and all the other things that you can, if you want to take deeper dive for you, there's lots of other things there too. Amazing. So we'll put that all in the show notes. And then we mentioned Hack My Age already. That's your podcast. Anywhere else people can go to find you. Oh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and the website are the, the main. Of course, there's LinkedIn and all the other things, but it depends. There's so, there's so many. They're all there. There's and it's so many. Yeah, we'll put them in. <laughs> yeah. That makes it easier too. That way you don't have a bunch of different, I have a bunch of different names all over the place. So yours is easy. Hack My Age. We'll put the links in the show notes. So Zora, thank you so much. This has been great. I know we went down so many different topics and paths, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. So I appreciate you and appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. It was just been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, like you said with yours, we'll, we'll have you back on. We got to keep keep going with different discussions down different pathways. So we'll definitely be yeah. seeing you again. Thank you. Yeah, there's so much to do. And I, I really want the woman who's listening to this is empower yourself. Don't just accept suffering. And I always have this, my saying is, is menopause is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>